0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Culturally Relevant, a podcast about movies, television, art, and culture. I'm David Chen, and today we got a bonus episode for you today, because today we're talking about Halo, the gaming franchise as well as the newest entry in it. Halo is one of the biggest game franchises of all time. It helped to launch Microsoft into the gaming space, basically putting the original Xbox as a game console on the map. It's generated $10 billion in revenue and has sold over 81 million copies. Full disclosure, I am a former employee of Microsoft and actually worked at Xbox when the company launched Halo 5. This week, Microsoft released the newest Halo game, Halo Infinite, across multiple Xbox consoles as well as PC. It's the first Halo game to come out in six years, and it's arriving with a big splash in the gaming world. I personally have already played dozens of hours of Halo Infinite. I'm really eager to discuss it, and I could think of few better guests to discuss it with then Jeff Grubb, who is a video games journalist at GamesBeat and the host of the GamesBeat Decides podcast. Jeff, thanks for joining me today, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, excited to talk a lot more about Halo. I've been doing a lot of that, but there, it's a it's a big game with a lot to talk about. There's a lot of ins and outs to the game, uh, You know, not just playing it, but what it means on, on a larger scale. And it's it's exciting that it's good, I think, is the yes. big thing for me, where it's like, OK, it is fun to talk about because for the most part, I think, just about anyone that goes in to play this game is probably going to have a pretty good time.
0: I want to actually start by taking a step back and looking at kind of this next-gen era of consoles as a whole. I'm very curious what you think about it, right? So it's been about a year since Microsoft launched its new series of consoles and since Sony launched the PlayStation 5. And I'm I'm curious, you had some... Relatively not nice things to say about the last generation of consoles in terms of their capabilities and the games that came out for. I mean the games are good, but just like the capabilities and yes and what they were able to unlock, uh you were not as hot on. I'm curious, like we're we're a year into this next gen of consoles. How has this generation felt to you? Uh, you know, Series X, PS5 and so on, compared to other generations? Cause to me it's felt pretty weird. You know, what do you think?
1: Yeah, it's weird, and I think the reason it's weird is because we're in this sort of wibble-wobble of these companies trying to figure out what exactly a hardware needs to be. It used to work this way. Like the hardware would get better because technology was getting better. And that's definitely still true, but it's not advancing at the rate as it once was, at least in terms of what they are going to be able to put on screen for video games. The great limiter now is not technology. It is budget and time and human resources and and those things. Um, The the, the systems are more than powerful enough, especially this new generation of consoles compared to the last gen. Uh, But even then the last gen, you know, they they looked fine. Those games looked fine. They just yeah. they were poor to use because of their slow hard drives, stuff like that.
0: You had so, games on last generation like Red Dead Redemption 2 and yes. like Last of Us Part 2. Those are like incredible looking games. To this right? day, they yeah.
1: are incredible looking games. Like even like Doom 2016, which I think is like the example I love to go to because I don't know if games need to look much better than what Doom looked like in 2016. And that's now, you know, f- what, five years ago, half a decade ago, and that's how long console generations used to be. So these companies are in a weird spot where like they're not necessarily being dragged forward by the tech they're trying, they're being dragged forward by consumers wanting new stuff. And that was kind of they were kind of feeling that last generation and that's why they were they weren't certain that gamers were going to show up they're like hey are, are will people care about this stuff when they could just play games on their phone and it turned out that the playstation 4 especially sold very well but the xbox one even for all its faults sold pretty pretty decently and there's an obvious audience out there desperate to spend money on this stuff and so what they've done now is they've tried to design hardware with that in mind that there is an audience that wants to spend money on this stuff so what does that look like and i think for the most part they figured it out it looks like consoles that feel fast that for the most part have a, a you know pretty pretty good technology in them in terms of being able to render graphics and stuff that will last for the next 5 to 7 years and now it just comes down to delivering software that can really um, you know take advantage of that stuff and that's been the that's been the weird spot i think when you said it feels weird to you i got to imagine you're probably referring to the lack of obvious, you know, oodles and oodles of software that feel like next-gen games.
0: Exactly right. And and, uh, a significant part of that is that there have been console shortages for the last year. Like, uh, it is still to this day, as you're listening to this, impossible to go to a retailer and purchase a PS5 off the shelf, right? They are completely unavailable. And whenever they become available, uh, uh, scalper bots usually snap them up. Um, the system of acquiring game consoles right now to me feels really broken, right? Um, oh yeah. Uh, compare it to like I just got a a new MacBook Pro to to create and edit videos um, for my online work, and with Apple it is so simple. You just you press order, you get in line, and when when it's ready they send it to you. You know it's amazing, and for some reason. Uh, at least PlayStation, Sony PlayStation has not been able to crack this. Uh, Microsoft, I think it's a little bit better because they have their own kind of store. But yeah, yeah uh, so part of it is that it feels like kind of this limbo launch where, you know, usually uh, they put these things on sale and you you find out pretty quickly how well they're doing. But like to this moment, I still don't know that we know the true demand for these things because they still haven't been able to make them fast enough. Um, they are doing really, really well, you know, for they, they've sold every single one they have, basically. Um, but then that also feeds into, you know, you have very, very few console exclusives right now. There's very few games that are available only on the next gen of consoles. And even Halo, the game we're going to talk about today, is available on the Xbox One, which mm-hmm. what, is nine years old at this point.
1: Um, 2013, yeah.
0: Yeah, eight, eight years it, old, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's just like... It's felt kind of this like this weird... The, the weird in-between period between consoles has felt longer than it has in the past, basically.
1: Yeah, um, it, it's more yeah. pronounced, for sure. It, you know, there was always transition periods, and it's weirder this time. The pandemic did not help. Uh, the comparison to Apple, I think, is apt for a few reasons. They definitely underpriced these consoles for the world that they were going into. I know people would probably, they're going to be aghast at that, like $500 is a lot of money and it is, but you could tell by the secondary market that it's not as much as they could have charged for these things and still sold every single one. And so, you know, with Apple, they, they just charged more like that's <laughs> so so there's yeah. less there's less demand that like they they know how to meet that demand and price structure and so it's like yeah i'll pay three thousand dollars for this thing and i'll be one of the few people willing to do that and there will be enough for me because it's three thousand dollars if if the you know the macbook pro was five hundred dollars it would be madness
0: out there yeah, for, for but, what uh, say. But, but still just like the system of ordering it i think is oh, a lot for easier. sure like you just you press order or pre-order you get in line and then one day it shows up at your house at a time that they estimate that's impossible to do with PlayStation 5 right now right, right. and that, and that's cuz they you know
1: they want to work with with uh, retail partners and just letting them handle that like they're trying to do things yeah. at the, the most efficient and least expensive ways possible and that means kind of going to be a nightmare for the, cons- for, the for the consumer
0: all right, let's talk about Halo. Um, in 2009, uh, Bungie split off from Microsoft, and Microsoft took control of the Halo franchise after Halo 3. Mm-hmm. Since then, 343 Industries, which now is part of Microsoft, has released Halo 4 and 5, and now Halo Infinite. Um, so it's been three games in around uh, 12 years or so. Putting aside Halo Infinite, I am curious, prior to Halo Infinite coming out, right, which came out this week, the campaign came out this week, how have you felt about Microsoft and Three Four Three, their stewardship of this franchise?
1: Um, I, I feel like it is indicative of where Microsoft was in terms of supporting games throughout the last generation of consoles. Where, um, I remember there was an interview with Phil Spencer, who's the head of Xbox, uh, a few years ago. I can't remember exactly where, or when the the line stuck with me though, and it was that when he would look at what people were playing. He would see people playing Destiny for 700, 800, 1,000 hours and not much else. And he kind of got it in his head. Like, why are we spending so much money making games that people play for a weekend and then put down? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it just it seems like a bad investment. And this is before that they really embraced Game Pass, which was the, the answer to that problem, that riddle in his head of... You know, how do we make making games make sense for us? And so when they were making Halo 4 and 5, they, you know, they were kind of just like going through a, 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 an age old game plan. And not, I think their heart wasn't really into it I, across the board. Now, I mean, I know there's people at 343 who really care about making a good Halo game and they, and they tried. And I think in certain ways, like the the campaign for Halo 4 was pretty good and the multiplayer for Halo 5 was pretty good. Um, but then, you know, the other side of those equations fell, fell short on for, for each of those games. And so there was a lot to complain about if you were a big fan of Halo or, or someone who's just uh, looking for a game to play on Xbox. And so overall, it just felt like they, they're just going, they're painting by numbers a little bit and we're ending up with games that do come and go and and that's kind of how I felt about 343 and now they're they're here with this and it feels quite the opposite.
0: So I I think what you're saying is Halo 4 and 5 maybe were good on the multiplayer front but didn't really deliver when it came to like single player and like if you're if you're just playing through, you know, a typical game lasts anywhere between let's say 3 and 15 hours, you know, and that component of the Halo 3 uh sorry 4 and 5 you felt uh was a bit lackluster. Uh, yeah, I think
1: 4 was okay in terms of its campaign, but uh 5 definitely was not not a good campaign. I did, I did not enjoy myself playing that. I did not finish it. I I put it down pretty quickly. could kind of tell what it was. And you know, I wasn't into the story or what they were doing. It just it just felt like again, like they were just kind of going through the motions and it was obvious on screen.
0: Yeah. So, uh kind of a mixed track record when it comes to Halo. Uh yes. and again, full disclosure, I I I actually worked at Xbox at the time that Halo 5 came out. Uh Now into this mix steps Halo Infinite. Halo Infinite was supposed to be a launch title for the Xbox Series X, which is Microsoft's latest console generation. Um, And the history about I'm so fascinated by the history behind this title. uh, Yes, because I don't have any inside information. You probably have more inside information than me about this. But uh, the extremely short version of the story is that footage of Halo Infinite debuted. I believe it was summer of 2019. Right.
1: Yes, that sounds right.
0: And It was supposed to then launch in fall of 2020 or uh, yeah, like November time period of 2020. Right, when the
1: Xbox Series X and
0: S launched. Right, around the time that the new series, the generation of consoles launched. And short version of the story is that the footage was so poorly received by fans that they had to retool the entire game and take an extra year uh, for it to come out. Uh, And I find it fascinating because I would think that it takes a lot longer to retool a game of this size and ambition than one year. Um, So I'm so curious about like the parts they kept, the parts they had to remove. Um, But there was a recent Bloomberg article this week. I don't know if you saw about the making of Halo Infinite. And it described the game as in a state of crisis in in 2019, which does not strike me as uh, out of the realm of possibility. It it seems like for any game yeah, it just is like this is a game that was in a very bad state. They showed it publicly. it was very poorly received. They had to go back to the drawing board, push the release date back by over a year. Um, and now it arrives, you know on, on game Pass. you can buy it in stores, you can download it on your PC. There's a lot of interest in whether or not this game would actually be good. it would actually deliver. it would actually be a game that people would want to uh, would want to buy a new system to play. And you've already hinted at your opinion on this, Jeff, but let's just get into it, right? Overall, it sounds like you think this launch, this game, the package is a success. Is that right? Yeah, I, I do. And I think
1: it's going to be remembered that way. I think that if you are uh, coming into it as a major Halo fan and you have uh, certain expectations for modes, like if you want co-op right away, you're going to feel that absence. But if you look at look at the game based on what is here and you judge it based on on the components that are available to play right now, I, I think it's an unmitigated like success, and like there's, I think there's very little caveat to that. Where you're going to go in, you're going to have fun, and and I use the term crowd pleasing. I think, and I, and I mean that. Like I think it's going to be something where it's not going to be um you're not gonna have to explain to a lot of people why this is fun you're not gonna have to like dive into like i think there's like even a game as good as breath of the wild you have to kind of like have a conversation with people like yeah it's not quite what you're thinking of when you come in for a zelda game uh you're gonna have to like find the fun the game's gonna push back against you and there's weapon durability but here's why that's a good thing there's like deep conversations you have to have like to explain the fun of that game where here it's like you're just going to go in there and you're going to be looking for, you're going to see something on the horizon. That's going to look cool. You're going to go to it. And when you get there, you're going to play Halo. And by that, I mean, it's going to feel like a Halo shooter, which has always been great. And it's going to have all the, the physics systems that you're familiar with only turned up and amplified. And given you have new tools like this grappling shot, uh, this grapple hook uh, that really is fantastic, makes you feel like. A Spider Man that weighs fifteen hundred pounds, and that it <laughs> should sound fun because it is. It's it's great, and so it's um, for me, like it's just a really good time, and uh, and if you don't get in your head about the stuff that you're missing because you think like because you thought because you know the history and you know that they strip stuff out, uh, if you just look at what's there, I think it's fantastic.
0: I would agree with you overall that I think it is a success. Um, at, at this point, I've probably played, I don't know, 20, 30 hours of multiplayer and mm-hmm. um, about half of the campaign. And what I really like about it is it, the visuals do feel a little bit fresh. They're not amazing. They're not amazing. No. They're not amazing. Um, you compare it to, like I say, even games we've discussed today, like uh, uh, Last of Us Part Two or Red Dead Redemption 2, like the visuals to me feel like inferior to that, like in terms of how aesthetically pleasing and how sophisticated, um, which is kind of a bummer. You know, like it would be amazing to have a Halo game that's like, wow, this is only possible the next gen of systems. But yeah, I agree. there are so many things that they got right. Uh, let me list a few of them. First of all, like the feel of the weapons... Is excellent. You know, you excellent. have all these variety of weapons that you can use in this game, and every one of them feels distinct. Every one of them feels like they serve a different purpose. Um, and so, the multiplayer is just really, really fun. It's missing a bunch of features in the multiplayer that were present in many earlier editions of Halo. You know, matchmaking features that were uh, present in games that were available ten years ago, which feels kind of weird. But it really does. Like, I- I'm evaluating it kind of like they barely got this out by the skin of their teeth. That's kind of what it feels like to me, you know? And in that context, I think they did a really good job. The campaign um, is really interesting because this is the first Halo game that tries to do something called open world. Previous Halo games, it's basically very, very linear, right? You go from point A to point B, you kill some, some aliens, you go from point B to point C, you kill some aliens, you press a button, you do this. This is the first Halo game, to my understanding, that lets you choose what part of the area what missions to go to next is that is that accurate jeff and yeah so like i'm curious what you think about this game's implementation of open world which is what a lot of games are doing these days because um partially because it's more profitable right because you can like add expansions onto it you can sell more things off of it what do you think of the open world in halo infinite uh,
1: I think it was the right choice. It, it is the thing that makes it feel like a modern take on Halo. And it's um, a lot of that comes from um, get, making you feel like you're more in control, making you feel like you are making choices that matter in terms of I see something cool. I'm going to go do that first uh, and and deciding like what you want to work on. Like, it's not just um, going through a corridor and the game is going to decide how you're how, how it's going to entertain you. It's going to offer you up a menu and you get to decide for yourself. And that works because sometimes I am I'm in the mood to just improve my character. So there's things like high-value targets where if you go and you take them out, they're really tough and they have their posse with them and they have a special weapon and you take them out, you get to have that special weapon and you could spawn it at any time in one of your forward operating bases, which are just like these little uh, areas of the map you could take over and then you can fast travel there or, or spawn a, a vehicle. Um, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah I want to get all of those weapons. So if I find a couple of those things, I'm just going to go do that. And then you learn, oh, if I if I help out my my the UNSC soldiers that are locked up that are chained up on the map, or if they're uh, pinned down by the enemy, if I go and help them, I might unlock a special weapon, a a UNSC weapon um and while I'm doing that I might find some secrets along the map and it's like okay I, just by me having these options I feel more engaged and that is um a term that developers use, publishers use a lot, engagement. And that is what what you were referring to when you say that that they're more profitable. They're more profitable because they're more engaging. They keep people coming back longer and longer. It's why Assassin's Creed has leaned so much more into this stuff uh, over time where it's just like they want to be more and more engaging and the world's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger because it turns out even if most people don't finish a game that is like 200 hours, having all that stuff there does keep people in for longer and longer. Now, Halo Infinite is not 200 hours. It is... And it's not even um, completely open, where at the beginning of the game, you can go all the way wherever you want. They, they do break it up into sections. And at, at the end of the game, you do get a chance to sort of go back and look anywhere you want. But for, for a lot of it, it's like, okay, we're going to give you a big open space, but it's not the entire map. And I think it works really well because it's balancing both of these ideas where it wants to make sure that you know where to go to keep the story going forward. So you, you have that option available available to you at all times. And then you also... Can, if you feel like it, just go off and explore and do whatever you want. And the and the area is definitely big enough to cater to that. And it, mm-hmm. it works really well for me. And I, I was really enjoying it.
0: Yeah, to me, it's felt like a pretty good balance. Uh, from what I read in the Bloomberg piece and other places, it seems like the original vision was much more ambitious, right? It oh, yeah. was more like uh, Breath of the Wild, the. Uh, nintendo switch game which is widely regarded as one of the best video games of all time yes. and so like the world it's not, it seems like the, the i'm sorry it sounds like the game world used to be much bigger and they reduced it down in scope because of the time and resources they had available but overall i do think it works and, and you're right i think the comparison for those who are listening to this podcast who who don't play any games i don't know how many of you are have got it this far but most many games are linear in the sense that they kind of um you're you're kind of interacting with a series of predetermined set pieces basically mm-hmm. and open world uh increases engagement by basically letting you decide which set pieces you want next on that note another thing i really like about this game halo infinite is that it does encourage like really cool problem solving you know you're yeah. you're taking a, a ford operating base for instance and you have the opportunity to scope out how many enemies there are, what the structure of the base is, and then kind of plan your method of attack in a way that I don't remember being in other Halo games. You know, maybe there was something like this in, in a previous game, but, like, uh, it just felt like, oh, like, I, I am, like, I get to, like, strategize about how to do this in a way that I never have before. And uh, and similar to those lines, the balance of weapons, I think, is really good because it's it's essentially impossible to just stick with one weapon the whole time, right? Yes, um, very, very much not- like
1: Breath of the Wild and, and like the weapon durability. It's not the same exact thing, but it's close in concept.
0: Right. Because you know, the temptation is, oh, I have a weapon I like, I'm just gonna use it the whole game. Yes, you, you can. can't do that in this game because uh variety of reasons. Number one, uh you run out of ammo for the weapon that you have, and like maybe ammo is not readily available. Number two, different enemies require different weapons to be off, And so it forces you to like try out and master all the different weapons. So there's a really like some cool things that this game does really well, I think, right? In terms of planning the attack, in terms of forcing you to try out all the different weapons and master them all. Um, I think that's just all like really smart game design. What do you think, Jeff?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a- absolutely right. And I think that's one of the uh, surprising things for me. Like I had a hunch that this game would feel like this and I had a hunch that it would be, um, you know, it, it, they they would try to do something like open world and then you'd get to like a fortress or something like that and you would just clear out the enemies and that would be that. But you, you're definitely right in that each fortress feels like just enough of a combat puzzle that it does reward you for feeling like you can approach it however you want, yes. and I've started going back and replaying it again on on PC on heroic, and that's the the higher difficulty mode. And I uh, I'm doing things differently this time, and the thing about the game is it totally enables that. So it's like I tried last time with with a, like a pair of weapons that I liked, but this time I'm like, okay, I'm gonna really focus on the grappling hook and maybe like the energy sword and just just like grapple guy go in there take him out with the energy sword and then move on and then once the energy sword is depleted because it also has durability i'll pick up a weapon and just go from there and then and, and improvise and uh that stuff really works but it's like uh, it really works because these fortresses are often much more substantial than you were seeing from the outside like yeah. you look at them like yeah, it's a pretty big tower yeah but i can imagine like there's probably just a you know maybe two dozen guys in there and that'll be that oh and oh i go in there Turns out there's a tunnel that leads into an entire fortress inside that I was not expecting, and it just keeps going and going and going. So it's because it's so much more substantial, you're gonna encounter a bunch of different variety of scenarios that again, yeah, it's like it feels like one combat puzzle after another, and you are rewarded for for changing things up and being willing to pick up the weapon on the ground and not being and not stubbornly trying to stick to something that works for you, Uh, and and that it's like it's this great give and take, this this little dance the game is doing with the player that feels. Like the game's strongest suit, like it feels yes. like it is playing into its strengths.
0: It feels very thoughtful. It feels well designed, and and overall very rewarding, right? So, yes, I think overall, you and I are quite positive on the game. Like it nailed a lot of things, and specific, uh, you know, especially with the circumstances working under, it's really impressive that they were able to get this out in this in this good of a shape. You know, I'm I'm mm-hmm. glad that they were able, like, because no one wants a, mo- a game like this to fail, you know, because. If it does well, it's good for the gaming industry, it, you know, um, and uh, encourages more experimentation in the case like this. Um, let's talk about some of the things that we maybe weren't as big of a fan of, uh, yeah. if if it can be described. And I would say uh, I've already kind of described the visuals. I think they're uh, they're okay. You know, they're not bad. They look fresh enough that I don't feel like. Uh, this they serve is, their this... purpose right they get the yeah, job they serve done their I think they're it's... very functional right and especially in the
1: multiplayer where it's very easy to tell what's going on yes. which is ab- absolutely the most important part of a multiplayer Agreed. game uh, in the single Compared player to, like campaign... Call of
0: Duty right where like yes. sometimes you know I, I'm i've gotten pretty good at call of duty at this point but like mm-hmm. many times i barely understand what's happening you know right it's why um, it's a bad
1: the bad game for most people to watch it's like an esport and why yeah. people uh, like have drifted towards stuff like Fortnite because it's so easy to tell what's going on in Fortnite. right, right. this yeah. game is one of those Is one of the first ones i feel like that, that to like straddle that line and put a foot, a foot in both where yeah it still looks like um, a military st- style thing but it's also they they play up the cartoony side in terms of the way they display enemies and stuff like that so that you can totally know what's going on at all times it's it's very readable
0: yeah yeah so the the visuals are are just fine um not bad uh love uh, by the way also on that note in terms of presentation also love the music i thought they did a really good job yes, of like honoring what has come before in the music um i think probably one of the biggest disappointments or two two of the biggest disappointments i would say uh, of the new halo infinite are number one the uh biodiversity let's say yes. <laughs> in the in the world like in p- past halo games there would be so many different environments that you would be in. Uh, You know, one day you'd be in kind of like a deciduous forest. And then the next mission you're on a beach, you know, Mm -hmm. and the next mission you're in a lava planet or where the fuck, you know, and um, in the new Halo Infinite, it's not any of that. Like it's it's just this one world (laughs) with some, you know, metallic buildings on it. And that's it for the whole game is my understanding. Right. Yeah, that's um, uh,
1: that's what I saw. Yeah, it definitely. Um, that's where you get the biggest sense that they scaled back. you are yeah. like, okay, they had this thing that was working, and they cut everything else that wasn't, and then they just focused on making this thing that was working as good as it could be. And that is, it's viable, it works, but it's hard not to feel like, oh, I went through this whole game, and it all looked pretty much the same. Now there yeah. is there's variety within that biome where. Um, you know, there's a part of the the part of the forest where it looks all burnt. And obviously there was like a a ship crashed and uh, there's like environmental storytelling going on. That's where they find the variety. But still I would have liked to see like a snow part of the world. And I'm like, I'm hoping that we get that with expansions, but judging based on what's here, there's definitely a lack of, a lack of variety.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And then on that, on that note, you know, in a similar way. And so, yeah, you, you definitely feel like, you know, I actually kind of feel bad for the developers of the game because my guess is their ambition was probably far greater than this, you know? Oh, yes. And so they probably had like way bigger ambition for like the variety and they just had to cut it down to the bone of what worked. And I think they made the right decision, but it it had to have been painful. I got to imagine, right? Uh, And then the other thing is like the set pieces, I would say because of the open world, because you design your own plan of attack and stuff like that, there are very few of the kind of set pieces that I feel like I remember from the original Halo games. Like the last level of Halo Combat Evolved when you're driving the Warthog out of the exploding thing, you know like mm-hmm. that that is like one of my seminal video game experiences, right? Like it, it's a it's a moment I return to again and again. I I must have played that level like 5 to 10 times because it was so dazzling. You know, I I'd never experienced anything like it before until that point. And my sense is there's very few of those in this game. Do you, do you feel that way or am I wrong? No, about that?
1: no, I think, I think you're, I think you're right, but I, I, I think that it's also the, um, the cost of what they're doing here. Yeah. I think it, it's yeah. the thing that they have to cut out because the things that they valued higher than those set pieces were, uh, the, the the variety of ways you could attack stuff and um physical interactions that you know emergent gameplay stuff that they want the player to be the stories they want the, the player to be creating themselves rather than yeah. them catering a story to the player and that's um i think that's what was probably the right call in the end uh there's probably a way to do both uh, i think they just they like, didn't want to attempt to do both because they just were valuing the one thing higher than the other
0: yeah, and that's a great way of putting it. Basically, like you are creating the set pieces now, right? Like yes. you, you as the player are like you know, taking in the tank or the uh, or the ghost and just barely getting out of the thing in time. You know, like mm-hmm. and I've, I've had a few of those moments myself even, you know, even playing the the portion of the campaign that I did. So, but it's interesting, right? That the give and take between these two things. Like we remember these spectacular set pieces from Halo, now we kind of got to give that up a little bit if uh you know given the time and resource constraints they had and, and what they wanted to achieve. So but but those are a couple of things that I kind of missed from earlier Halo games. Um uh so yeah let's talk a little bit about the story. We're not gonna spoil the game. No. But to me this feels like kind of like a the Force Awakens of Halo, like in the sense that yeah. this is the game that's gonna like reset the entire universe <laughs> and like uh a, a newcomer can pick up this uh, this game and not know anything about Halo and still enjoy the basic outlines of the story. Like, and, and th- that's a pretty big accomplishment in general. And it's kind of meant to take along old fans but bring in a bunch of new ones as well. Like, what did you think overall of the story?
1: Uh, overall, I thought it was fine. I thought I thought it was pretty good with a few. Uh, fair attempts that missed for me that didn't quite land for me near the end, but were also not in any way bad. Um, I enjoyed the interactions with, between the three primary characters, which we've seen in trailers, the pilot, uh, the weapon, which is baby Cortana and, and master chief. Uh, I, I thought that they, they have a pretty good chemistry between all of them, especially if you, um, if you like let yourself, go along with what master chief is this, uh, this gruff guy that barely talks. And when he does talk occasionally, it sounds something akin to a one-liner or a joke. Mm-hmm. And you know that, and you know that he, like if you, when he says like, Oh, I, I have to fight because it's all I know. um If you sort of like give yourself into those emotions a little bit, it's like, it works really well. Uh, but even then the, the moments near the end didn't perfectly work, work for me, but they definitely do a good job of setting up this universe in a way that it is palatable to someone new. And I think while well, also, cutting off some of the storylines that they've had going that, Players have either had an issue with or they, they wanted to see come to a conclusion. Those things do come to a natural conclusion in many ways. Of course, there's cliffhangers. That's what Halo does all the time. They have a TV show. They're going to show a trailer for that tonight at the Game Awards as we're recording this. So that's that could have a tie into the story of what's happening here. It could be canon. I have no idea. So they have a lot of ongoing things that they're still juggling. And with all that stuff in mind, I thought that the story served the purpose of making me want to keep going. Like, you know, the, the Cortana stuff, like what's happening with old Cortana cortana and and her corruption and and how that stuff is going to play out i was actually curious even as someone who never finished five never really saw that like where that story went they did a good job of just presenting it as a mystery box for this story Mm -hmm. and i i was happy to sort of let that drag me along and be like oh what's going to happen next with that and and in those terms it worked really well
0: yeah uh that's my sense as well like the story seems to me so far to be fine but there's nothing really groundbreaking about it and oh no it's not super risky and um And I I do think that's, it's so fascinating because Halo, if you go on YouTube, there's multiple videos explaining what the lore of Halo is, right? Yeah. Every single time I always watch every one of those videos, it is extremely complicated. It's like 5X more complicated than like Game of Thrones lore, you know, it's so complicated. And and I just feel like none of the stories that we see uh, as of late have really kind of delivered on the complexity, you know? Um, I'm not saying that the stories themselves need to be complicated, but that the ideas within these stories continue to be fairly basic. And so, like like the graphics, it's very functional. The story is not bad. It's just like it's kind of uh, there's nothing super interesting to me about it. I, One, I think it's specifically
1: rejecting it. Just let, just real quick, I think it's yeah. rejecting the idea of that complexity. They. Yeah, It feels like yeah. it feels like that they didn't just scale back here. I feel like they've specifically stripped away stuff that they felt could get in the way of just telling a simple Master Chief story. And I think Joseph Staten, the game director who kind of came in to save this game after during that delay, uh, he said as, he said as much. He's like, I just want to tell a simple story about Master Chief. We think that's what the player wants. And I think from that perspective, he was right.
0: Yeah, I, I think that it's probably the right story for this point in time in the halo franchise you know what i mean agreed which is you got to reset everything clear the table you know cut off all these plot lines that no one cares about anymore and then just start fresh and that feels like what this is Mm -hmm. i will say one other observation i've had jeff playing halo infinite is uh hearing master chief's voice who's played by steve downs yeah steve downs is 71 years old at this point
1: he sounds like it too
0: and he sounds 71 years old. N- not a bad thing, but it just is like, no. he sounds tired. You know, he sounds yeah. like Master Chief is tired of fighting and I'm a little bit bummed that they didn't do more with that idea, you know, because he audibly sounds different than in previous games where he's more of like, let's get at him. He, he sounds like he's 71 years old in a Master Chief outfit and um, I kind of wish they'd like acknowledge that a little bit and I'm kind of curious what directions, if any, they're going to take the character from this point, you know? Um, do you have any thoughts about like what you want to see next for Master Chief or Halo, the Halo franchise?
1: I it's so tough cuz that is the kind of thing I want but I'm I'm also the kind of guy that like really loves The Last Jedi cuz it was like dealing with the ramifications of this long go of this ongoing story and um the consequences of past actions and most people I think don't want that they want the hero to just be the hero and not have any real flaws and uh, I, or or you know or weaknesses and I yeah. I very much want them to explore the idea of a master chief who is weakened by time I think that that is um you know, he's been doing the same thing for 21 years now. That's, you know, the the, the franchise is that old. And um, it's it certainly it's like almost a joke in the community. It's like, you know, you just got to finish the fight and the fight never ends. Uh, and I, I want them to, like, deliver a punchline to that joke and show us, like, what what could what what does it look like? when he actually is too, fired to keep, too tired to keep fighting. Uh, and they're right on the cusp of... Uh, you could tell that that's something that I think they're thinking about, even in this story. But you're right that they don't they don't fully deliver on it here. I, I still have hopes that there is more story to be told in this game with expansions or whatever that looks like. We have no idea right now what that looks like. And they just delivered a game. We don't need to be like... I don't feel like bugging them about it. Be like, hey, when are we <laughs> going to get more? They just right. spent years of their... Like, killing themselves trying to get this out. But I still have hopes that there is... More to be told here, and there's going to be another shoe to drop there uh, that that explores exactly what could what what it could mean if if Master Chief is like the one who falters.
0: It's such a weird thing where you have this massively successful franchise that has defined multiple console generations, and you want to keep that franchise going, but you also want to tell an interesting story about this character who's been part of it for 20 years, you know, and that there is an inherent tension there uh, that I don't know how they're going to resolve. But, you know, maybe if they just keep delivering kind of same old, same old Master Chief overcomes the odds to surmount a huge obstacle and people keep eating it up. But I think for you and me who have been playing this game since Halo Combat evolved on the original Xbox, um, we're interested in potentially them taking more chances. We'll see if they do, though. Probably this most recent round has scared them out of taking chances, is my sense. Yeah, probably. Um, Any other topics around Halo Infinite that you want to discuss or that haven't come up already? Um, just wanna, well, uh, I just want to, well, anything you've been thinking about? Yeah, go ahead.
1: I mean, th- there is the, the the reaction to the free-to-play multiplayer. So th- the business model of this game is interesting in that uh, you can get the multiplayer free-to-play just about anywhere, like on any Xbox console and on your PC. And I would imagine you could even probably play it through xCloud if you have Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, but I, I don't know for sure. But that would make it available on your phone and on TVs and stuff. Um, uh, and then the, the campaign is either a $60 game that you can go purchase or you can get it through Game Pass, which is a $10 to $15 per month uh, uh you know s- subscription service um and that makes it like uh it, for a while there it felt like they weren't ever gonna deliver like the really big game as part of that service they were just gonna keep going with kind of b level games that didn't quite reach that next level this mm-hmm. does feel like it's like the beginning of that where especially after Forza horizon 5 which is another really great game where it feels like they were gonna really make game pass feel like this premium service that you absolutely cannot miss on. Uh, But then people get something like the free to play multiplayer. And there's still a lot of complaints about the monetization of, of, of the free of the uh, cosmetic items that don't affect gameplay, but they affect the way you look. And I'm someone who, as I'm playing this for, yeah, I think I have 35 hours on steam. uh, I've not really thought about that stuff much at all. Even as someone who spent money on, the battle pass which is a way of unlocking this stuff i've just had zero real issues with these things and yet I, I look out and there's a generation of people who came up after me who are living at this thing and i'm like yeah. I, you got it for free i, I just don't quite well, get it what do you think about that
0: l- l- let's talk a little about that okay so uh, uh there are many games right now that are free to play which basically means you don't need to pay anything you can just download the game and play it right and f- uh this is the first halo game for which that is the model and then people can spend money on cosmetics that don't impact gameplay, right? So you can make your helmet look cooler or your suit look cooler or whatever, right? And that's, that's how they make money off of it. This is how Fortnite makes money. This is how Call of Duty makes money. Uh, and now this is how Halo makes money. So for the first time, Halo Infinite, uh, the multiplayer, is free to play. And I think it's actually pretty cool. Let me just start by saying it's pretty cool, Jeff, that yeah. you can spend $300 And play Halo Infinite multiplayer, you know, like on a system that can play Halo Infinite multiplayer. You don't need to buy any additional software, like for the price of three hundred dollars and like ten dollar Game Pass. You don't even need.
1: Oh yeah, if you need Game Pass for the single player, but for the multiplayer, yeah, for the multiplayer, you don't even need. You don't even need any. Just the system, Yeah.
0: So just the system will unlock it, which is like pretty cool. Like that. That Agreed. that is like a value proposition that is offered now, right? And so I I really dig that, and I agree with you that Game Pass uh, could be the future. You know, it's they're delivering a lot of value right now. You pay ten fifteen dollars a month, you now are able to unlock triple A games, which is incredible, and uh, that is really really cool. I do have to say, Jeff, I have not publicly complained about it, but uh, I I kind of agree in concept with many of the issues people have with this, because if you compare it with uh, Call of Duty progression, you know, um, the way it works is, you know, you you spend $10 on something called the Battle Pass, and then it allows you to, like, unlock custom one-time cosmetics as you play more often. And the rate of progression through, like, a Call of Duty Battle Pass is just so much more generous than...
1: It it also feels um, nice, right? It feels yeah. good. Wait, you play I, I a game.
0: That, you you play a game. You get a reward. That's kind of basically yeah. what it is. Right? I think you, the
1: Halo progression is actually it's still pretty speedy, but it doesn't feel that way. No matter like what, it does not feel that way because of the way that you're getting XP, which is through these challenges instead of through your play. Yeah. And we're I think through play is is the right way to do things. I think if we were designing a maze for rats and we were trying to find a way to reward them, we would do it through their actions rather than specific challenges. I think the rats would respond better than that, to, to that than the other thing. And I think we are just in this specific maze. raise. Mat 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 rat maze. That doesn't feel quite well designed, and it's going to take them time to fix that. I think that's the problem here. Uh,
0: that's one. That's part of the problem. The other part of the problem is like the multiplayer experience on Halo Infinite felt like it launched very compromised. You know, like it felt like there are so few playlists, so few yeah. things going on, and so I think the combination of those two things made a lot of people, myself included, feel like yeah. And we this is a game that many people have been playing for twenty years. You yes. know, and so. Uh, it made people feel like basically, yes, it's free to play, yes, I don't need to pay money for it, but it's like a way shittier experience, you know, and so uh, I think a lot of people would rather pay money for an experience that doesn't feel compromised, and I think that's where a lot of the bitterness is coming from, is my sense. Yes. I don't yeah. think there's any excuse for hatred against devs or doxing people or death threats or anything like that for your dissatisfaction over a game, which apparently has occurred, Um, but I do think it does feel kind of like a crappy experience compared to what people are used to uh when it comes to Halo multiplayer, which I should remind you, in, in its heyday was basically considered best in class. Like yes. best in class. This is the best multiplayer experience you can have in a video game is through the Halo franchise. Now it feels like not one of the worst, but putting the gameplay aside, it feels very half-baked right now. And so and, and, and I yeah. think
1: when uh when you put it that way, it does uh, it, it does kind of put into view of like what what my what my thing is here, where it's like this isn't bothering me because I, I kind of I know what's happening. The developer mm-hmm. yeah. pulls back because it's always easier to add stuff than take stuff away. Right. So you, you yep. start you start low and then you just keep adding more slowly over time because first of all that's going to feel nice and also it means that you can put stuff where you need it the most and it feels like the game is getting built out. Now, And that's, you know, that is maybe a bit unfair, but again, it's, it's a free to play game. And, and, and then also it's just, you know, they want to make sure that they are, the game works and that they don't, it doesn't fall apart and that it's uh, and it has a good launch. Cause that's actually way more important than a lot of these other things that we're talking yes. about. And, uh, and also it's a free to play game, a multiplayer game in, 2021 and that we in hindsight we know how long these games can last we can look back to even just Fortnite, came out in 2017 now with its battle royale mode Uh, there are games much older than that Uh, you know rainbow six siege came out many years before that warframe came out at the beginning of last generation so eight years ago roblox came out in 2006 these games go on forever and ever and ever and we are talking about where we were about three weeks since the launch of this thing <laughs> right. uh, not even a month so it's like when you look at it like through the lens of time it is very easy to realize oh this is just a couple of weeks maybe a couple of months where it's going to feel like this and then once all that other stuff gets added we will never even think about this period of time again
0: yeah and uh and they, right. they know that they know that yeah they're playing the long game they understand this is a marathon not a sprint although for them, it's probably felt like a marathon that has oh, felt yes. like a sprint for a long yes, time. You know? Yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, it's not a great experience right now, multiplayer-wise. I think it's going to get better, but they nailed what was important. The core gameplay, the core mechanics, yes. the weapons. They got all that stuff right, and that is really, really difficult to get right, and I think they did a good job in that front. And so They
1: got the hard part right, yep. and now this stuff will be actually pretty easy to solve. And it will take a, f- a little bit of time, yep. but not as much time as making a boring game fun.
0: Yes, I totally agreed. So at the end of the day, I think Halo Infinite, uh, big success. We haven't even really seen any numbers yet. I'm sure in the next week or so, we're going to see Microsoft saying like X million many players oh, yeah. or concurrent, you know, players or whatever. And uh, my sense is it's going to be a big success, and I'm, I'm actually really massive. happy about that. So. Um, so, yeah, uh, those are our thoughts on Halo Infinite. Jeff, it's been really fun to talk about this with you. I really appreciate you uh, joining us here on this podcast. Um, you write for Games Beat, and you're also the host of the Games Beat Decides podcast. Anything else you want people to check out this week, Jeff?
1: Yeah, I do a show on Giant Bomb called Grub Snacks, and I do that live on Thursdays for premium members. Uh, It's a great website with a lot of awesome content. Definitely check it out. Just go to GiantBomb.com, and and if you like the the personalities there, if you like anything, you can go to GiantBomb.com slash upgrade, and they're having a sale through the end of the year uh, where you can get a year's membership for, I th- think $35 where it's normally, uh, normally $50. And uh, that shows a lot of fun. I did a new episode today. I think the, the, you know, the, the recording of that will be going up at some point. And then, yeah, I also do a last of the Dogs, which is a, a free podcast. You can get there wherever you listen. I do that with my co-host, Mike Minotti. Um, it's actually his show. And I, 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 guessed on that and he's the host and uh, that's a Nintendo focused show that we have a lot of fun doing each Tuesdays live on YouTube.
0: All right. We'll link to all that in the show notes. Jeff Grubb, thanks so much for joining me today, man. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. This was a ton of fun. I really appreciate you having me on.